Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. What's up, y'all? I'm KC. And I'm Tyler. And this is another Big Buck Breakdown from the Element Podcast. Brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. All right, so now on the phone, we've got Zach Farinball from The Hunt in Public. Dude, you sound tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm finally catching up. I, okay. I uh, was up for about 24 hours the <laughs> night that I got the buck in Pennsylvania, so I was behind for a little bit there, but finally starting to catch up and just getting work done so I can get back out there. Yeah, <laughs> yep. That, you know, we just talked to one of your counterparts, uh, Aaron Warbritton, and uh He's kind of in the same boat. He's like, I'm just working, you know, just trying to get back out there. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's a constant battle. Yeah, it's a constant <laughs> battle. That's uh, but that's life for most guys, you know, they're working so they can go take some time and go hunting this time of year and getting into the rut Definitely. and that kind of thing. And so, um, but you, uh, recently had some success on a pretty cool buck in a pretty cool state, man. Like, you don't see a ton of bucks that size coming from PA, and I know the ones that the people that are killing them are being pretty hush about it because they do exist there. But uh, tell us a little bit about what happened, man. Well, it was yeah, I, it was a rare situation where really the first place that I walked into when I got to Pennsylvania, and I had kind of been doing some road scouting with Greg and on that first day, and just kind of checking out the area getting a feel for things and we finally decided to walk into a spot right out of the gate we were seeing good sign and kind of backtracked the sign to the spot where i had originally pinned you know 10 or so days before the hunt just you know map scouting from home and got back onto the ridge where we were hoping to find deer and it was a uh, probably about an 800 yard long ridge from where it ran into private and got into like like kind of a fescue field up on top mm-hmm. all the way to where it played out at the bottom is about 800 yards on one side of the ridge there was just a select cut with some um you know tall vegetation growing up but also you know kind of that you know young growth regrowth coming back from the cut but there was also some mature oaks in there that were dropping a ton of acorns mostly red oak and then the other side of the ridge split right down the middle hadn't been cut so um 
you know, we kind of just scouted our way back in there and saw a really, really good buck sign right out of the gate. First spot we were in. So, you know, it was like, man, I feel like as big of a ridge as this is, this is, we can just keep hunting it until, um, you know, basically we, the sign dries up or we get one. And I don't do that very often, but I would say once every year, every couple of years, there's a spot that just, it just makes sense to me and I just can't let it go. It's happened. Oh, probably three or four times in my life where I've just found a spot that I, you know, no matter what, I'm like, I just, I just know it's going to play out here. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I do a lot of bouncing around. I talk about that often, um, in my, you know, my strategy often is to bounce and, and cover a bunch of ground, but here it just looked good. And compared to what everybody else was seeing, you know, it was the public land challenge. So we had multiple groups out hunting and compared to what everybody's seeing, it just continued to confirm that I should just keep hunting here. So ultimately we weren't really seeing much as far as actually seeing deer just because of hunting off the ground. You know, a lot of times you can't see very far in general, but just the nature of that forest being select cut. And then, um, even the, the, you know, uncut stuff was still pretty thick. Visibility was low. We weren't seeing many deer, but we were just seeing tons and tons of fresh bucks on. I mean, every time we'd go in there, it's like there's something new. There's some new clue, whether it be a fresh rub or a fresh scrape or um, just big buck tracks in general that were smoking fresh. You know, we were seeing um, all this sign right after rainy days um, for the first several days. So it's like, you know, it's fresh. You know, they're in here. Somehow we're just barely missing them. Just kept, you know what I would call full court press in this place <laughs> and just <laughs> hunting it, you know, it, 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 hitting different little pockets every day, just mm-hmm. trying something new, you know, never hunting the same exact spot and just continuing to learn about it. And as kind of the week progressed, I was squeezing in on the center of where I really thought these deer were. And we ended up going in and the, I guess it was the day before we shot the buck and Aaron and I were running a little bit late, which kind of helped us in, in a, in a weird way where we were kind of walking down a logging road at first light, but that kind of put us in the middle of where these deer were really spending the majority of their daylight time. And, um, at the time we weren't totally sure where that's where they were, but this confirmed it. We saw a nice buck and I think it's the one that I ended up shooting. I'm not positive. I never will be, but, um, looked like a pretty good buck and he was following a doe and he skirted around us, but he wasn't very far from us. And we never bumped him. We heard him grunting, moving around us and either him or another buck, but heard grunting around us. So kind of confirmed that they were in this cut. Well, the following morning, Ted and I went back in there and of course saw another fresh buck track, really big track that was sinking deep in some really hard kind of gravel almost. Mm-hmm. He was just so heavy. He was digging in there and feeling really good it's like man we're right behind these things like they got to be close and ended up hearing a deer kind of go up and around us that morning we never laid eyes on him so that evening we went back in and honestly we were looking back on it we were gonna we were planning on playing it too safe we were like oh we'll go up to the top and kind of get on the edge of the transition of the the cut and the you know uncut forest and we'll sit up on top and we'll kind of wait to get super aggressive till tomorrow, which was, which was Saturday. And it was going to be a temperature drop, like a big, big 
cold front. But from that point on, Friday afternoon until, I don't know, until basically Sunday, the temperature was going to be just constantly dropping, staying, staying down low in the 50s. So it was kind of the beginning of the front coming in. We had a little bit of wind, and we got up there to where we were hoping to to hunt, which was pretty dang far from where, like I said, this is a big 800-yard ridge. It was pretty far from where we had hunted in the morning and heard that deer and saw that big track, which, again, looking back on it, I mean, it was kind of silly to leave that spot in the first place, but we got up to the top, and we bumped into what we could see up ahead of us, this other hunter, so... We just backed off before we got too close to him, you know, and circled all the way back down around to the end of the ridge where we had hunted that morning and got closer to where we thought we heard a deer and saw a fresh track and ended up essentially just having it all kind of click in that moment where we got up in a little bit higher up on the ridge than we had been that morning and we started to find some big beds on the logging road where there was some tall grass and you know saw these big beds saw a lot of crossing trails but i started like i said it was clicking that these deer are using these big oak trees and going from oak tree to oak tree but then they're also using the path of least resistance on this log trail so right in front of us there was this big x there was multiple trails and multiple logging roads that came together right in one spot and ted and i just basically plopped down in the logging road using tall grass as our cover and we were about 20 yards from that intersecting trail and there's all kinds of good fresh tracks on it we can hear acorns dropping all around us and really behind us on the down you know downwind and down the hill where our thermals were pulling there really weren't that many oaks so we assumed if deer were moving around they'd be up in front of us kind of using that crossing mm-hmm. sure enough gets to be about we and at this point too because of having to make that adjustment from moving around that other guy you know we were running a little late so this was oh i don't know probably oh an hour before dark we got finally settled in and about a half hour after sitting there we heard a deer moving and it sounded like it pretty much just got up or not moved far from you know where it was originally bedded and it moved down from our left and got right above that logging road. It seemed like it was just about to step into our shooting lane. My heart's my heart's up. I don't know what it is necessarily, but you know, it sounds like one deer, assuming it's a buck. And heart rate's going up, and I'm about to feel like I'm about to draw, you know, I'm about to see this thing. And I thought I even caught a glimpse of a tine, and all of a sudden it stopped. And nothing. I mean, nothing happened. It didn't take a step. I mean, I'm not kidding, not a single step. And I I couldn't hear it crunching acorns. I couldn't hear it doing anything. But like I said, I mean, it's it's for sure inside of 40 yards. I think it was probably inside of 30 yards. And the whole time in my head, I keep thinking, man, I bet you that's just a buck. It just walked and either bedded or it's just straight up standing there looking at the intersection of these trails, just waiting to hear or see another deer to confirm that it's time for him to come out of the cover. Because, I mean, like I said, we're we're – inside a bow range of this thing we can't see him Mm -hmm. and eventually i just got to the point where i was like man i don't know that he's gonna make a move until he sees something and we're running low on time so maybe 10 minutes left i decided and and ted and i are sitting beside each other and it's just so calm like we can't even talk 
because this thing's right here and I don't want to blow it by trying to communicate. So, which is rare for me, you know, usually I'm talking like crazy. (laughs) I've even been noticing some comments of like, I wish Zach would just be quiet and whatever, you know, me. I talk a lot, but I was struggling to not talk to Ted because I was like, I want, I want to, you know, basically I wanted to tell him like, I think this thing's still here. And I eventually just like breathed the words. I think it's still right there. And he breathed back and said, me too. <laughs> so <laughs> I decided to grunt. I grunted a couple of times, just nothing major, just, you know, kind of your general grunts and started scraping the ground. You know, one of the advantages of hunting off the ground is that you can make very realistic calling sounds, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. versus, you know, if you're in a stand, you don't have as much ability, at least easy ability to really make deer sounds. And I really, I've heard a lot of deer making scrapes in my life and it's a very distinct noise. And I just try to mimic that. It's just a whoosh, 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 you know, with their, when they're hoofing the ground, tearing up that scrape on the ground. And that's what I did. Um, and just, like I said, grounded a couple of times, kind of soft, nothing, nothing really, uh, happened for a couple minutes and to be honest i started i started getting impatient i kind of started moving a little bit like if you're watching the video uh if you ever watched the video i like i'm starting to check the wind like i'm moving a little bit more than i probably should have but luckily he just couldn't see anything either well after a couple minutes he started kind of huffing and puffing up in there and making a rub you could hear him you could hear him making some weird noises with his mouth not necessarily grunting but just going <sighs> and kind of coughing and rubbing and you'd see a tree moving up there and like, well, it's a buck <laughs> assuming it's a decent one, you know, and mm-hmm. it was, it was getting, I mean, it was, it was, it was darker than what you would think for the time that it was, you know, there was still, you know, legal time left, like a good chunk of it, like probably six, seven minutes. But the way that the sun was going down behind us, it just made it so hard to like look into that backlit stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that deer was right up there. He jumped down into the logging road and he had his head down. And from my angle, I couldn't even see what the deer was. But I mean, I again, assuming it's a buck and he's grunting and he's now on the logging road with us at 20 yards. But just the way that he jumped down, he got low. And from my angle, I just couldn't see. So he starts grunting and he starts walking right at us. Like, well, I better draw my bow, I guess, because now he's like 17 yards in closing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I just calmly drew my bow back, anchored, and just kept watching this thing continue to walk right at us. Now, again, I literally have no idea what this deer is. I don't know if he's a 30-pointer or if he's a, you know, big old buck. Mm-hmm. And I... He keeps walking, keeps walking, keeps walking, gets the three yards away from me, from Ted, and he pops his head up, and I was like, oh, yep, shooter. <laughs> yeah. and he, he was slightly quartering, too, and I didn't feel confident at that moment. I mean, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it in the right situation, but in that moment, I feel super confident at the quartering, too, just because low light, and there's a little bit of grass because I was staying low. And I couldn't tell exactly where I wanted to put that pin, but then he took a half step back and it gave me a straight on frontal shot and I settled my pin and at three yards it shot him and which pin down the hill. 
What's that? Which pen did you settle? All of them. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I just did. I really just did my best to like center and, and hold it and really just, you know, follow through with it. And yeah. So one of the first episodes we ever did was with Zach, actually. And, um, you know, despite bad phone service, we were able to kind of uh, have some kind of a relationship <laughs> together over the last few years. The thing is about having a good friend is that you get to brag when you shoot a big buck. And so off the air, I actually talked to Zach quite a bit about the Illinois buck that I shot recently uh, that is, a frankly, a giant. <laughs> and I've just been super blessed to have that happen. But, um, you know, a big part of that story is the fact that we were able to uh, have a route of travel to and from that scrape by using Exodus trail cameras. So we had a lift to there that we put over that scrape this summer, and we were able to see that those deer were coming in in a particular direction that I was able to set up to know that deer would be coming by me, giving me a broadside shot. So it was very effective for me. I was able to shoot a big buck, and you can go check out that on YouTube as well. We've got a video of it. So go check it out, and also check out ExodusOutdoorGear.com to see more of their trail camera lineup he ran down the hill and ended up hitting one lung liver and it wasn't it wasn't exactly the best shot that i've ever made I'm not overly proud of it but the shot but you know as far as the hunt and the situation it it just it was something that you know that shot i've, I've i'll say i will say this i guess that shot is a shot i talk about often and i think if you have the right arrow set up and you know, it's the right situation. I, you know, it's one of those controversial things. I think that frontal shot on anything in the right situation is totally ethical. Mm -hmm. I just missed the mark just like you could at any, you know, any old broadside shot. I just slightly missed and I mean, we still got the buck. I just wish it would have been a little bit, a little bit more efficient than that because, you know, it's just not the ideal situation, but, um, you know, shooting, I shoot a super heavy arrow, single bevel broadhead. And, you know, I think that if you've got a deer inside of like, I always say about 16, 17 yards and in, you know, if you've got a good pin on them, I think that that shot's an okay shot to take. And it's a totally ethical shot. Now at 30 yards, I'm not shooting a deer in the chest. It's yeah. not the way, you know, there's just too many factors that can happen. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you know, and I'm not right there for sure. That's when they're going <laughs> to yeah. move. Yep. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily promoting it for everybody too. Like I said, it's just a situational thing. And for my arrow setup and my, um, you know, hunting off the ground too, makes a huge difference. You oh, know, yeah. in a tree stand, it's a lot different of an angle and it's a lot harder to flat off. So. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah. That's what yeah, we it was shoot. a super fun hunt, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. And it looked like a lot of fun, you know, it's a cool state to go to. I think I remember you talking about Pennsylvania back in the day when we first met you but uh mm-hmm. you know that's the reason we shoot heavy arrows too man those day six arrows you know you want them to to blow through some stuff when you get an opportunity now do you think sure. that um that shot was easier or more difficult than your elk shot because you took a front on your elk too right yeah um you know i think that as far as getting a pin on him it was obviously even <laughs> yeah. easier <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> the tough thing was is like we talked about it in the in the video too it's you know you don't practice for a three yard shot i mean i'll i'll go up to 10 12 15 yards and shoot pretty often i mean i'll just i mean i can hit i could hit a you know a thumb back in there but it's at three yards and just actually shooting at a live animal i mean it, it was it was pretty difficult 
but the advantage that you have at three yards is the deer doesn't have any time to move. I mean, yeah. that was the fastest, I mean, <laughs> the fastest ever an arrow will probably ever hit a deer that I shot. I mean, it was like in him before I could even probably move my bow. Yeah. You know it's like I mean? all it's the like, same noise, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It, was, boom. it just didn't really make a, like yeah. a yeah. typical arrow. It's like, Pah! you know, yeah. but then the, the, you know, the, this difference between that elk is that elk, the elk had time to move. Um, so they were both, they're both unique. I think, I think I'm yet to find that sweet spot of like a 12 yarder, yeah. You know, for that frontal shot, I think is, is kind of the sweet spot because it's, it's still the distance where you don't really have time to move, but it's also that distance still where you can burn a pin into a single hair or a single little spot on there. Mm-hmm. You know, aim small, miss small, right? Right. I think <laughs> at that distance, it's it's essentially uh, the perfect opportunity. But like I said, you know, you get 20 plus yards and it becomes more difficult just because the deer you know white tails are cagey they're going to move mm-hmm. and even at 20 yards on a broadside shot especially um you know you toss a tree stand angle in there or maybe you're just above them on a hill or something i mean there's there's definitely a lot of chance for them to move but you know level ground you know 16 17 to about maybe eight yards in it you know that'd be kind of that window i would say the perfect for uh quartering to or frontal shot i would say just where you can really pick your spot you hear us talk a lot about the effectiveness and the quality of cobra releases all the time but guys quite honestly there's a mantra and the mantra goes look good feel good hunt good and let me tell you there's a there's something to it, okay? There's a reason why I like my camo to match, all right? Y'all might make fun of me. That's fine. Whatever. I like it, okay? And I like my Cobra Release because, man, it looks good. It's a professional quality product. You can tell that the leather is high quality and everything they've got, man, they actually have different colors of leather, different varieties of stuff you can do. If you're real flashy, they got that Harvester Release that's orange. I mean, come on, man. You can't beat it. So if you want something that looks good, that helps you hunt good and helps you kill, go check out CobraArchery.com. Well, man, that's awesome. Congrats on, on the PA buck. I know, like KC said, you know, you've been talking about Pennsylvania for a few years now, and uh, and um, it's really cool that you were able to shoot, like, pretty much a buck that I think most people would consider a good buck just anywhere in the country, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times when you yeah. go out of state, you're like, you know, you're thinking, well, I'm just kind of looking for a buck, but that's a right. heck of a deer, man, and, and uh, congrats on that for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was, you know, it's kind of a life lifetime dream come true. I I really have always been intrigued by big woods, Pennsylvania, hunting mm-hmm. a lot of eastern Ohio and stuff when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having buddies that lived in Pennsylvania. And, you know, as time goes on, I meet more and more friends that live in Pennsylvania. And it's just, it's kind of that, um, just the, just the hunting culture of Pennsylvania and the the big woods setting is just so cool and something that um, brings a unique challenge. And I was very excited to tackle it and I'm excited to go back there someday in the future and then, you know, continue to explore the Northeast and East in general, you know, the thing I'm thinking about now is I'm like, man, how do I get down in the Southeast? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, Bring bug spray and snake gators, man. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Well, we appreciate you hopping on the phone. I know you're busy and, uh, this time of year is just going to get busier, but, uh, 
with the rut, man, coming up. Good luck with everything. I know you guys are going to put some down, and we'll be watching, man. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to tell my story. Sure, dude. Sure. All right. We'll see you. Later. Man, what an awesome story about a big buck. Guys, we want to say a big thanks to Exodus Trail Cameras and Cobra Archery for being a part of this Big Buck Breakdown. For sure, man. And also, if you want to check out what we do on a daily basis, maybe even see some of these big bucks, go to Instagram and follow us at The Element Wild. And then also subscribe on YouTube to keep up with what we're doing throughout the season. And subscribe on the podcast. And remember, this is your element. Living it. I'll swim across and meet you on the other side. I'm not sure why we even have to fight Cause a lot of frustration Brothers let's forgive and forget Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now And if you are planning on getting after it Make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls To stuff into the old turkey vest Or into your fanny pack right now I carry a few different things I like to use mouth calls And I like to use pot calls Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand... One of my main turkey hunting buddies. He loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I'll just have Yanni use his. Then I'll have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.